podcast. Your journey to self-realization will be unique to you and you alone. Embark on a journey to fall in love with yourself. Remember that there is nothing more powerful than an embodied human being that knows itself. Find out what is your way of being in the world. What is it that you love? What is it that makes you feel connected? What is valuable to you? What do you enjoy? Do that because that's going to bless everyone around you and you. Hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast. For those of you spiritually inclined, I've got good news because the wise, the holy, the ethereal Julie Pyatt, AKA Srimati, my in-house spiritual guru, my better half, a wise force of nature who is just so good at so many things, I'm never not inspired to do and be better myself is here today. Uh, For those new or unfamiliar, Julie is an accomplished yogi. She's a musician, a chef, a mom to our four children. She's also the best-selling author of three vegan cookbooks. She hosts the For the Life of Me podcast and lords over Water Tiger, her online spiritual community. She's also the CEO and mother arc of Shrimu, absolutely the best plant-based cheese in the known universe. I'm not biased, which if you have yet to try, I highly recommend you do so. And you can do that by going to shrimu.com, S-R-I-M-U.com. And if you use the promo code RRP20, you'll get free shipping on orders over $127. And today she's gonna tell us all about it. It's all coming up quick, but first. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics, and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So 
it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton, birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive, and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life and recovery is wonderful. And recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. Longtime listeners are well acquainted with Julie. She's been a recurring source of spiritual wisdom on the podcast, dropping many a pearl over the years on basically everything, everything from parenting and creativity to finding meaning, purpose, finding direction, grappling with love, grief, and everything in between. Today's conversation centers on the ways we can all become more embodied, more connected to the core of our true beings. We discuss how to find direction in our intuition. We talk about how to remove obstacles on your path to self-growth, how to face trauma, and how to cultivate self-love. Every podcast with Julie is sure to deliver some soul-nourishing magic. This conversation is no exception. So uh, let's uh, turn a tarot card or two, spin the medicine wheel, and open ourselves to the wisdom of Julie Pyatt. Well, the high priestess is back. 
I think only Gaia knows what's to come. And uh, I don't know, what are we gonna do? We're gonna just see what comes out the other side, be open to the divine unfoldment. Let's do that. I mean, are we courageous enough to just sit in the emptiness and allow whatever is there to arise? Makes me very nervous. I know we have done the least planning. We didn't even have our conversation about not planning this time. I almost brought it up. (laughs) Yeah, like this is the trope. We start every podcast by talking about my pattern of coming to you and saying, we need to talk about what we're gonna talk about and you rebuffing me. But after 10 years of that, I now know that that's a fruitless endeavor. So I did kind of say, are we gonna, (laughs) you wanna go over anything? But actually I say it's a fruitful endeavor because the podcast between you and me have delivered Mm-hmm. Some magic every time. There is a track. There record. is some. I mean, obviously, you would not invite me back if that was not the case. Well, so I do they like are fruitless. They I do are like fruitful. being married to you. No, but even so, <laughs> yeah. that you wouldn't have. No, they no. deliver. I think that speaks to perhaps my brilliance. <laughs> well, your brilliance, but also, and your brilliance and my insecurity or imposter syndrome, because after 10 years of doing this, I by and large over-prepare every time. I like to be prepared. And then afterwards I think, maybe I shouldn't have prepared that much. Maybe I should trust myself at this point that I know how to get through a two hour conversation and make it you know, somewhat make meaningful. Make it work. Um, that's my process. I think it's because, because keep, sorry to interrupt you on your own show, but uh, I think it's because of the juxtaposition of our processes and the way that we both do things in a different way and how we somehow allow the space for those two things to exist in the same space, in love, somehow they both can be true. Hmm. So thank you for that. Yeah, well, thank you for your spontaneity and your, <laughs> your, your very different approach that despite the discomfort that it presents, I do trust and know that it will all work out. Now, so, hopefully it will. Cause I don't know turn. now we've said this whole thing and now what, what if it say? doesn't, what yeah, if it like, exactly. what if it's not really fruitful? The ball is in your court. It, the ball's in my court. Yeah. Oh my what God, is, well, what, hi what, ritual. <laughs> what has you lit up right now? What are your yeah. current epiphanies? So I think what are you a, thinking about? Yeah, thanks. I mean, I think it's a really, profound time on planet earth. I mean, obviously we've been talking about that for a bit, but I am really feeling a quickening in the energies of creation, of newness, of a new birth, of a new awakening, a new operating system in many, many areas of human life. That is coupled with uh, some absolutely unimaginable scenarios of suffering, of death, of exit. What comes to mind and what has been on my heart uh, just recently is the devastating earthquake in Syria and Turkey. And so, uh, you know, these things are profound beyond comprehension, the level of suffering, the immensity of that planetary uh, earth adjustment, you know, it's beyond, it's, it's beyond imagination that anyone would ever suffer, you know, such an experience. And uh, seeing some of the videos of children being trapped for weeks, you know, alone, babies, children, 
men, women, mm. moms, uh, you know, fathers, brothers, uncles, uh, and to to see the heroicism of humanity coming to get them, coming to dig them out. You know, it, it's had me on my knees, you know, quite frankly, uh, of recent. And, you know, my prayer is always uh, for us in those scenarios that, you know, let the suffering be the least possible, like the least possible moment and allow something else that unseen, that divine, that grace to surround our beloved humanity, our brothers, our sisters, our children, and may uh, they be guided and carried, you know, into the next realm uh, with peace and comfort and beauty and care and nourishment and celebration. Um, So, you know, that is happening, you know, on this planet. And at the same time, I have not felt this level of creativity, of joy, of expansion, of connection, Uh, people, um, both old friends and new friends coming into, you know, the field, into life experiences. And there is a quickening. You can feel something is at hand and something very miraculous and very beautiful. Well, that's beautifully put. Um, I do feel kinship with the notion that it is a moment or an era of extremes. Everything feels very extreme um, from the tragic end of the spectrum to the rebirth end. You talked about new operating systems and new models for humanity. And you know, over the past two weeks or so, as you know, like Adam and I have been working on this episode around artificial intelligence, kind of a documentary style twist on our normal format that we're really excited about, but we've been having lots of conversations with people who are on the front lines of this emergent operating system. So in the birth of, you know, new modalities for, you know, human operating systems, we're seeing the birth of new operating systems in the artificial realm as well that are already having massive impacts on how we think about our own humanity and how we kind of function in the workplace and beyond. And it's been revelatory, but also something that has given me pause. Like I think we're on the cusp of truly a paradigm shift in not just technology, but how we reflect upon, you know, who we are as human beings and what we have to offer in the face of such a powerful technology that at this point is becoming more and more perfect at mimicking human behavior, which is confusing and creates a sort of uh, uncanny valley that uh, is freaky, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think this is just the beginning of all of that. And it's unclear what's gonna happen, but it's hard not to entertain dystopic thoughts about the implications of something so powerful that's being unleashed upon us essentially without consent and uh, all of the, you know, impossible to foresee implications of that. Well, that's a very healthy awareness and concern that you have. And that is an agenda that is rolling out on planet earth. It is part of our evolution, part of what we signed up to sort of experience and and make choices and and co-create with or not. And, you know, as a spiritual being, as one who is connecting to uh, the true organic life print, the original instruction sets of what makes up a divine human being, my response is that we have the choice 
to choose our organic embodiment, our original organic intention. And you said something very powerful that AI mimics humanity. It is not humanity. It can never be humanity. And there is a sense, it's a, I'll call it a spidey sense or the supreme intelligence which exists within the heart. So the heart is the true supreme intelligence that we have, it is not the mind. And so the mechanism that tells you the difference between AI, what is false, what is non-human and what is human is a feeling tone. It's a feeling sensation. And so we're getting trained to understand how to scan situations, people, experiences, food, music, all kinds of things and determine is that an organic life form or is that inorganic? Mm -hmm. But as these technologies mature and become more sophisticated, infinitely more sophisticated than they currently are, that ability, that attunement to organic versus inorganic will become more difficult to decipher. And, you know, I'm sure there are people who would say, why does that distinction matter ultimately? Well, it matters deeply unless you want to be artificial. <laughs> um, so, I would just say that um, again, reminding ourselves that there is nothing more powerful than an embodied human being that knows itself. Remember that nothing has the ability to be in your energetic field, your body, your life stream without your consent. And so there are universal laws that you can activate by claiming your sovereign embodiment in your own life form. So you're gonna, you'll have a choice and there'll be a, you know, a million different levels that you can hybridize or not, uh, but it is a choice. And with attunement, with awareness, you can learn to discern what is false. And I would say even more than that, humanity has an innate ability to recognize something that's not right. They can go, mm, yeah, that just doesn't feel right. That seems off, that seems artificial. Mm. So I think we do have a very strong mechanism with which to discern. Mm. And so in casting your spiritual gaze forward, <laughs> what does the near and long-term future look like for this particular landscape? Mm. Well, I mean, I can't predict the future and you know, the future is being made in the moments. It's all happening in the present moment. But I do know that this is a planetary procession unlike any other time. It is not like any time in history previous. We are literally the show of the multiverse. Many eyes are upon us. And uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful realm to be incarnated in, to experience life for evolution. I can't tell you, I can't predict the future. All I can tell you is that choosing sovereign embodiment in your own body in all things uh, is a great awareness and a great power. So for somebody who's listening to this or watching it, who's new mm. to perhaps the types mm. of concepts that uh, you are 
immersed in, what would that mean? Like if somebody's like, well, maybe I'd like to make that choice, but I don't even know what she is. Yeah, I mean, it starts, well, it starts in the beginning, you know, it starts with self inquiry with yoga practices. And I, I don't mean yoga practices to then go put yourself in a lineage that then is a box that then confines you. But uh, to start to explore the truth that every single life form comes from the one breath and that each of us are sacred in our own inherent design. And so what it is, is it's more of a removing blocks, uh, mental setups, attitudes, judgments, maybe the way you were raised, maybe lies you were told and starting to really embark on a journey to fall in love with yourself. And this is of course what I teach in my Water Tiger mentorship. All the techniques are designed to lead you into fully embodiment of who you are. The most important perspective in your life is yours and yours alone. Your journey to self-realization will be unique to you and you alone. This is very hard for humanity at large to grasp because the mind is always looking for a consensus. It wants to know the answer. It wants to know what's the best diet, what's gonna happen, what's the best technology, what's the best training practice. It wants to create these boxes of some truth because it makes the ego or the personality feel more comfortable, more Mm -hmm. safe. But the truth of the matter is we are billions of unique life forms living in this realm and the experience of life is unique for each of us. So it's about taking responsibility, understanding no one is coming. There's no one coming that's gonna save you, that's gonna resolve your issues, your challenges, experiences, desires, dreams, the things that you took a body to experience. And so we have this wonderful blessing of life and that is to discover who we are, to express ourselves. And for me, those treasures have been and will always be residing in the heart. Mm. This is a journey that, uh, you know, I'd like to think that I'm on and the more deeply I immerse myself into this process, the more I realize how much work remains. Like I feel like I've done a lot of work and each step along the way, I realize not only is there no finish line, but perhaps that finish line gets a little bit more distant. You know, I mean, this is the practice, right? Like I've done certain things over the past year that have been revelatory and healing and and really helped me make peace with my past and allowed me to enter into a deeper level of forgiveness and compassion. But the thing that is ultimately resting beneath all of it that has remained a struggle is the self-love piece. Like I am for reasons uh, I somewhat understand and also don't understand, have such difficulty with self-forgiveness or granting myself the level of forgiveness and compassion that I would, you know, grant even a stranger with mm. ease. Mm. Would you like a free code to Water Tiger? <laughs> yeah, I might I might have to join your spiritual maybe. community. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, but maybe not. Maybe I'm not your healer. Yeah. No, it was like, you know, when I went, so the audience knows like in uh, prior to Christmas, I was up in Portland at at Dr. Paul Conti's clinic and did a week long, you know, pretty intense um, deep dive into family of origin stuff, healing past trauma. And I came away from that, you know, with a greater understanding 
of my kind of blueprint and the things that kind of motivated my behaviors and led me to become the person that I am. But again, like there is that layer of like, can you just love yourself unconditionally? Well, I mean, you can't resolve something in a week you know, like no, a I week, know. obviously. Yeah, no, I mean, it, was got, a st- it was a starting point. Yeah, it's a for, start. It's a very beginning point. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that this goes on forever. Like it never will stop. Well, that's stop. my point. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't matter what, you know, it's funny. I, not that funny, but I recently heard somebody raving about, oh, you know, there's this enlightened being and he's made it through the 12 stages of enlightenment, you know, and I just sort of smiled. I mean, you know, I'm sure the being is very amazing and very beautiful, but it's all a system. It's all a perspective. It's just a fractal. It's a perspective of the crystal of which we all make up. We, we all come from that. And so the other thing that I would like to just offer you as your beloved and as um, someone who cares for you deeply. And, and I know that we share this. So you say the self-love part is so tough for you. Well, it's tough for all of us. I mean, that is the thing. I mean, mm. you can talk to Giselle, who's like the most beautiful supermodel ever. And she'll tell you that she felt ugly, judged. I mean, I don't know her. So Giselle, I don't know if that you really said that, but I'm just, I'm gonna wager that that's true. It doesn't matter. It's like, it's part of the human condition because we leave the one and we come into a body and we feel this immense separation. And with that separation comes this, you know, falling from the unity basically. So it's by design that it happens that way. But what I would offer to you is that I'm starting to think that it's not going to be hard at all, actually. I've had a couple experiences in the last few months where I've glimpsed aspects of being embodied in let's say a more high vibrating life form, like in my body. And, and so, you know, I'm doing Pilates or, you know, I'm taking care of my skin or I'm making sure that I hike and that I meditate and that, you know, I don't carry stress in my body. Uh, I'm feeling like, you know, I want to take care of my physical form. And I had this moment where this sort of quantum presence came into my body and showed me just a glimpse of the power, the perfection, the beauty that is just there beyond this density. And then I started laughing and I said, actually, maybe it's not gonna be hard at all. Maybe when the frequency gets to that point, it's gonna be like the wind blows across your cheek and suddenly you're rejuvenated, you know, your back is feeling better. Like, so again, it's like this idea of hard work is old, in a lot of ways, old paradigm. It shouldn't be hard work. I am not disciplined. I am not working hard at spirituality. I am in a state of beingness, of connection to the breath, the moment, the presence, the allowing, the surrender. And the greatest secret that I can share on your show today and right now in my life, the superpower is relaxation. That is the superpower. So everyone listening to this, just consider how you are when you're working so hard, you're going for things so you know, committed, you're wanting this so badly. It's like, just observe all the things in your body that are constricting. It's closing off your life force. It's causing a closing down of energy. And what if you knew that the more you could relax, just everybody just let your belly go, let your body just relax, start to connect to your breath. 
And what if you knew that the more you relaxed, the more light could enter you, the more help you can get from the universe, the more you merge with that, which is really sourcing you, living you, breathing you. So this whole idea of this work, you know, we got to work and it's got to be so hard, doesn't. It's actually not true, it's an illusion. So again, many years ago, when your beloved friend who was on the cover of Time Magazine, the Olympian, the swimmer. Um, Byron Davis? Yeah, Byron Davis. Uh, he was sitting at our kitchen table and you guys were having this conversation. We were having this conversation and I was like, how about training for the love of it? Like just for the love of it. And he told this story, he was training for a qualifying round or something and he woke up with the flu and he was not in his best self and he was swimming and he was getting beat. And then suddenly he said something beyond himself came in and he entered this relaxation and he won. And we had that conversation back then. So it's not, foreign to you, I know that, but I'm reminding you and I'm not saying, so then don't say that, oh, well then how does anything get done? You know, I do 29 things all the time. It's the way it's done. It's the intention that it's done in. So this world is a beautiful world where we get to evolve through experiences. And that's why every single one of your desires, you should experience it. You should do it. You should go for it, go in it, feel it, you know, be it, become it, because that's evolution. And that's mm -hmm. what we're here for. Yeah, it's a really powerful concept that is deeply uh, paradoxical for me or counterintuitive in that I'm so wired around the Protestant work ethic mentality in the way that I was raised and in the evidence that my mind points to, which is constantly reaffirming this notion that if you want something or you wanna achieve something or you have a goal that you're chasing, whatever it is, that success in that regard is a direct, directly correlates the amount of work you're willing to put in. And in my case, that is you know inextricably connected to suffering, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm gonna write a book, if I'm gonna, whatever I'm gonna do, like, it will only be as good as I am willing to suffer for it, which is a lie that I've told myself time and time again. And I've been able through self-will to achieve certain things with that disposition, but ultimately it is an unsustainable energy source. So the idea that you are going to release that pattern that entrenched neural pathway that is constantly telling you that that is the way to do things and instead be in a place of receiving presence, acceptance and ease is so uncomfortable. Like I would rather just grind and sweat and like, you know, have sleepless nights <laughs> and just be like, what if it was easy? What if you could just allow it to happen and it would happen? Because my brain then says, well, that doesn't make sense. How is that gonna work? That feels like a risk. So it's extremely uncomfortable. And yet clearly there is you know, profound wisdom in that, right? Like if you could just adopt a mindset of abundance, do the work, 
but not attach the suffering and the toil and the pain to the work. Have a healthy distance from expectations and from the results of your efforts and be in this place of like allowing. And I'll tell you what your key is. The key is devotion. It's understanding that you are not responsible for anything that has occurred in your life. That it is not because of your hard work. It is not because you're so smart or you're smarter than someone else or you, you know, did X, Y, and Z. It's by the grace of the force. That's why your body is doing millions of operations that your mind could never ever define happening right now in the body. And it's the devotional part that frees you. If you understand that it's not you, but it's the breath working through you, then you can't, one can become devotional to that life force and serve that life force. Yes, very specifically through you. It's not gonna be different through you than it is through me, but it's really just the one. And you use the word work, but actually in this example of this extraordinary podcast that you have been placed in the middle of without having it on your bucket list or your vision board, or you literally did it because you loved it. And really divine mother or the force or consciousness, we'll call it the breath, knows your heart's desires better than you know them yourself. And after you went through a fair amount of, I would say initiations, tests, alchemical experiences, it placed you in a field doing something that you love more than anything. You are perfectly designed to do this type of podcast interview, sharing information, conversation. And what I would say to you is that the core of the conversations is not work for you, it is pure joy for you. And so the opportunity is to maybe change some of your language around the word work. What if you change the word to discovery, the discovery, the journey, the creation, the exploration? You know, it's not like Shreemu gets launched because I just sat around and was like, you know, the breath will take care of it. <laughs> it's cause the body acts all the time because I'm receiving impulses and messages and guidance and people are being brought to me. It's creating a magnetism, my devotion, my connection, my alignment with it, the values, the way that I create it creates a magnetism that then brings me all these opportunities and then I get to decide, you know, is that that much in alignment that I'm gonna go deeper or am I gonna just bless it and let it go? But I'm never in the illusion that I did this because I worked so hard and I deserve it. And it just breathing through me. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I, I love it. You know, I love the desires that are in my, my heart. And there are many things that, you know, I'm still doing and, and wanna do. And, and I love it. I love the creation process. I love the process. I love all the other artistic collaborators, all the people that I get to meet with during the process. But you're in this position because you went through a devotional alchemy in our nine year alchemical experience. And she presented you 
your perfect design of what you were designed to do perfectly. I feel like I have a good appreciation for that. Like I don't think of this as a result of me and my ego. Like I do embrace that concept um, and it's freeing the more that you can like live in that space uh, because you don't feel the weight on your shoulders as much, right? Like I didn't do this, this is happening for a reason that is beyond my, the limitations of the intellect. And yet I still struggle so deeply to disconnect from my identification with the mind, mm-hmm. right? And meditation is helpful and mindfulness practices, understanding the nature of mind, like non-dual meditation practice, like trying to get a glimpse of the vastness of consciousness and the mysteries of that. Like the more I go deeper into that, the easier it is to relinquish self-will and to uh, you know recognize the perniciousness of the ego or when the ego is flaring up and trying to like seize that kind of control. But it's a game of inches for me, mm-hmm. you know, but there is, you said earlier, like that idea that it doesn't have to be hard, like whatever kind of greater truths that you're trying to be in connection with and relationship with, clearly that is not the result of effort. Like if you're just to use the meditation example, it's like, if you're gripping your hands, like I'm gonna meditate so hard and I'm gonna understand what this is all about is obviously contrary to the nature of that practice because the glimpses of the reality of consciousness and the true nature of the mind only comes from the letting go of all of that and in the allowing and it's not, necessarily something that would only come after years of practice, you could have that realization instantaneously. In a moment. Yeah, it's true. It's true. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation. 
a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. But, you know, one secret that I want to share with you is that your ability to connect with people is directly related to the experience that you have allowed yourself to have where you have faced your trauma. And when you went to that experience and you came back, I felt an intimacy with you that I have not felt in our entire relationship. Mm. So that trauma- Tell me more, my ego wants to know more. No, but I mean, (laughs) that trauma that you're holding that you think isn't anything is keeping you from love. It's keeping you from love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, self love is the first thing, of course. I mean, but, you know, we hear it very, you know, like if you can't love yourself, you can't love another. But I mean, like, really, like, it's really, really true. But I mean, love yourself literally, like, like I am a creation of the divine and I came in in this manner. And these are the things that I'm designed to do. And this is something that is in my heart, something that feels resonant to me. And this is the thing that I do uniquely. You, re, you really do it uniquely. And then after you go through that experience, you get to a place where you're so fulfilled that then it starts to expand and touch the all. And I would say even in those unique experiences, it does touch the all. I mean, you're touching lots of people in this show and, and that's deeply impactful. You know, all of us that are sharing our stories, all of us through podcasts and books and songs and paintings and whatever we're doing. I mean, it touches our humanity, but that is really the key. It's like the level that you are separate from yourself is what is keeping you from further connection. Mm. And so to your mind, looking at me, what are the things that are still separating me from myself? or acting as barriers to breakthroughs, greater epiphanies, freedom, and the ability to, you know, step into, you know, a more liberated way of being. Well, all those things, we just sort of cover them. So attachment to the mind as intellect, as being superior, attachment to science as being superior, you know, attachment to having to suffer and bleed and it making the experience valid. Um, an experience could be very valid. It could be life-changing, but it shouldn't be exclusive to something. Mm -hmm. Like an experience that comes like a breath, like a kiss on the cheek is equally as valuable as the experience where you bled out on the pavement. (laughs) So (laughs) so, um, I would say probably that. And I would say also just the hiding from the trauma you know, the not wanting to go in and really look at life experience so that you can look at it, you can bless it, you can transmute it, you can move beyond it. You know, there's forgiveness of of everyone, of self, of other people. And, you know, we're all going through it at some level. You know, this is the condition of this realm. You know, you incarnate, you separate, you choose the other experience. And one thing that's really, really up for me right now 
is that every single thing is connected. There isn't any event that happens in your life, in my life, in anyone's life today that is not connected. It's like I used to, you know, of course there's more signs, you know, that come in different ways, but it's like now it's just becoming completely normal. Like, of course it's all related. The way the patterns are setting up, it's unbelievable how connected everything is. And furthermore with that is, it's a practice of really understanding and seeing everyone as divine. Like it's this equanimity, you know, there is no value difference in creation. The sun is shining on all creation without a degree, without a scientific study, without a social class, you know, color, sex, gender, choice of life. It literally does not care. It doesn't even care if you're spiritual or not. You know, spirituality is a choice of experience, right? Someone could just live out in the mountains or be an animal whisperer or a dog lover or, you know, a gardener, and they would be as loved as would the criminal, the murderer, the homeless. It's a whole spectrum experience. And it's not for us to judge what is divine or not divine, but it is for us to use discernment. So it does matter who you spend your time with. But so I mean, how, that's so just a very So explain how you think about the distinction between judgment and discernment. Oh yeah, that's, that's a good one. So if you just feel into judgment, feel into the vibration of that word, you'll find a separation, a barrier a this or that, that is wrong. That does not have the right to exist or that is bad. There is a bad person and a good person. So that carries that type of information. But discernment is a much more refined. It's a much more high level. So it's like, hmm, that is that being's choice of life experience. And then you're like, is that alignment in alignment with my, my inner child that I have to protect, that it's my job to protect or my soul or my choice. But just because I choose to align with a date on this plate in front of us does not mean that the chocolate bar is evil. It's just a choice. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. It's a choice. And in another incarnation, I might be the chocolate bar. So remembering that as we're living simultaneous lifetimes in different space times, as a soul evolving, our journey is to evolve and then eventually at some point return home. So we're experiencing lots of different fractals, flavors, identities of life experience. And so it's like that saying, you know, you shouldn't throw stones if you live in a glass house or I don't know if that really works with this one, but you know, the idea of like, somebody said to me when, when I had to file bankruptcy during our sacred journey, um, they were like, well, you know, uh, if I were you, I just wouldn't choose bankruptcy. I just wouldn't choose it. And I said to them, oh, really? I said, it might just choose you someday. So we should really be reverent to life because this human life is quite profound and quite challenging. And 
there's no place for us to be judging others. Mm. Is there ever a place in which it's appropriate to judge another? No, only discernment, only discernment. I am not the one in this form. So I will remain in reverence and I will cultivate life affirming energy as much as I can. I commit to clearing out any trauma or residue in my energetic field, body, mind, spirit. And um, I serve with devotion and I will take responsibility for alignment and also always discern, always um, because we are sovereign embodied humans that have great power when we remember who we are. But that sovereignty on some level, yes, ultimately we're sovereign beings. And yet so many of the actions that we repeat or the ideas that we have or the opinions that we hold or the decisions that we make are being impulsed by things that are disconnected from one's sovereignty. And in saying that, what I'm thinking about is this intergenerational piece, right? This is top of mind because of the work that I've done, but the deeper I go into this world, the more clearly I'm able to see how much of not only my behavior, the patterns that recur in my life are the result of you know how I was brought up or things that happened to me, et cetera. And this is of course the case for everybody, right? And so, there's a a tension or a disconnect between that sovereignty that we're seeking to embody and the autopilot nature with which, you know, we live our lives for the most part unconscious of, like you were saying earlier, you know, the courage to go to like, look at that trauma that you didn't wanna look at. Like I would have told you some years ago, like there's nothing to see, (laughs) you know, like it's not like, oh, I'm pushing this thing down and like, don't bring it up because that's too painful to deal with. I would have been like, I'm good. Like, I don't know that there, there's no there there, right? Mm -hmm. But I think there is a there there for everybody. And again, without judgment, it's not about people being bad or good or anything like that. But the more awareness that I develop around this, interconnectivity between, you know, that goes back generations and generations and generations and how these certain aspects of personality show up time and time again is quite revelatory. It's empowering ultimately when you can see that. And then of course, the harder work is like, how do you untangle those knots and and create new healthier patterns to arrest the kind of gestalt of these patterns onto the next generation. Like we're all here to do better than our parents, to live a little bit more enlightened than those who came before us. And to really see unhealthy patterns and then shoulder the responsibility to somehow arrest them so that you're not only perpetrating them yourself, but also as a parent passing them on to the next generation. Is there any, more worthy work to do, right? Like that is a, it's been like extraordinary for me. Mm, That's super cool to hear you say that. It's beautiful. So just a couple things. Um, So many of us incarnated at this point, at this time, this point of planetary procession, because the energetics are at a 
place that they had never been in eons of time. Let's say, I'm not even going to say a number because I'm not good with numbers. But so when you free yourself of those patterns, you will free not only yourself and not only your children, but all of your ancestry back and forward through time. How does that work? Consider that. It's an energetic that will literally clear it throughout the family lines. That is a lot of what the private session work that I do. We're clearing ancestral trauma. So we're all alive on planet earth and we have been in a forced reincarnation cycle. So we're taking bodies and then we have alcoholism and then we drop the body and then we come back and then it's done again and it's passed on to our kids. And you're just, you know, you see these patterns repeated right through the family line. I mean, it's just happening. So we can just take a moment and just understand that this has all been by design. And so I'm gonna get like sci-fi on you now, but from my perspective, this is being orchestrated from off planet. And so it's not the politics, it's not the churches, it's not, I mean, it is, but I mean, it's a play, it's a movie. Like it depends on what fishbowl you're in. Like, are you looking at it from this level? Are you looking at it from another level? Are you looking at it from an expanded level? So by design, this planet has been preyed upon, we'll just say by anti-life forms uh, for our resources, for our energy, for our consciousness. And uh, we are in a war over consciousness right now with AI. This is the realm that we are in. And so the difference is that this is a planetary procession moment where for the first time in many, many thousands of years, the lines of incarnation of life form into this planetary realm are free, or I would say they are occupied by life affirming forces. And so, you know, this is something that has been spoken of in many of the ancient lineages. It is just not some repetition of, of history. You know, you can look in the yugas, you can look in the Mayan calendar. Um, that's not really my specialty. I teach through life experience and through knowing what is true in my body. And so it's not because we're such low lives that we just can't get it together or that other person is so dumb or you know this race of people just didn't get it. It's because it's been by design and we've been controlled in many, many areas of our life, much more than we are aware of. And you know we had that movie come out like during the pandemic, what was it called Social? The Social Dilemma. Yeah, Social Dilemma. So it's like, you know, many, many things have been being impulsed into the planetary field as well as mind control. You know, they can impulse energies around the field that can create certain things. So now is a time where you can claim your sovereignty, you know, and I can see this is making you very uncomfortable <laughs> on your show, but you brought it up. So, I mean, I never go into these realms, but I mean, this is the truth. You know, this is what is happening. And I mean, you want proof, look around why continuously do we let our humanity starve when we have enough money to feed them? Why continuously are these patterns of war? They just go around in cycles and cycles. Why is there no resolution in the political system? And, you know, as long as I've been alive, they've been, you know, gun control, like all these things that happen. And it just is a cycle that repeats and repeats and repeats. I have to believe that if you were holding 
one or two or three or 4% of the wealth of the planet, you would do something with that money. I'm gonna just wager that you would help our humanity, but repeatedly we are not. And so for me, you know, it's not like I've seen an alien recently, but I just look at the evidence. So am I seeing my humanity freed? I'm not. And going back to yogi teachings and, and lineages, one moment of realization is more valuable than 10,000 lifetimes of charity. Because when you wake up, it reverberates throughout all creation. So you said, what is more worthy than clearing your ancestral trauma? Yeah, what is more worthy than waking up to the fact that you are a divine emanation of the sacred one that breathed you into life? You are omniscient, you are eternal, and you are divine. And that is every single one of us listening to this podcast and beyond. People also that aren't listening to this podcast. But again, it's a choice mm. and there are different timelines and we're not all like going up in the air in a fifth dimensional balloon. You know, it's not like up, up and away. That's not gonna happen. You know, look around. You, should, you probably would not be a good idea to go up in a balloon right now. Probably since not. we're shooting down balloons. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, it's not everyone. Not everyone is in the same operating system. Not everyone has chosen the same life path. And it's okay. But you do have a choice. You have a choice to claim your sovereign embodiment and to at least at the end of the day, when you put your head on that pillow, let it be your life that you lived and find out what is your way of being in the world? What is it that you love? What is it that makes you feel connected? What is valuable to you? What do you enjoy? Do that because that's gonna bless everyone around you and you, mm. you first. Is that super scary? That whole thing that no, I just said? No, it's good. Okay. I think it's a good place to take a quick break okay. and we'll come back. We get to break now? Yeah, we'll take a break. Okay. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. That was really beautiful what you just said. And as you were recounting that, I was thinking about, maybe this is weird, but I was thinking about 
that dinner that we had a couple of weeks ago where we were invited to uh, uh, Mike Posner's house. And it was like Mike Posner and Doug Evans, like making a sprout dinner and Doug's wife, Savon in queue was there. And just watching Mike Posner, who is so naturally full of like joy and awe and wonder and ease about himself. Like he's just naturally brimming with like enthusiasm and a sort of beautiful childlike, you know, nature to his like sovereign self. And I was imagining like, I don't think that he's like grinding his teeth when he's writing music. Like it's coming from a place of, of joy and devotion and reverence, just the way about him, right? And as we're eating dinner, I'm watching him and I'm like, wow, what would it be like to be like that? Cause I'm, you know, a crotchety cynical guy who's self-conscious and up in my head and, you know, not feeling connected to my body in, in that way. And the distance between kind of how he gracefully walks the planet and the way that I do are so different. And I was like, there's a lot to be learned by how he is, you know? And I was wondering, has he always been that way? Did he undergo some kind of process to become like that or more like that? But I've been thinking about that a lot, right? Which speaks to what you're talking about, which is releasing self-will and, and being in this place of presence and, and devotion and you know, really telescoping up 10,000 feet to realize like we're temporarily on this spinning rock and we have just a moment to you know express our ourselves and to share love and joy. That's amazing. Maybe mm-hmm. he can come over and spoon with you I in know, the tent. I know, I'm I, sure he'd be up for it. But it was like in <laughs> Q was there. It was like in Q Doug Savon Savon his Leif, wife Joanna. Like, yeah. Um Mm-hmm. And Mike and, and you. another guy and I, I like, didn't know. Right, another a friend music, uh, is yeah. a friend of Mike's, and it's like, wow, there's a lot of podcast episodes sitting around. That's this right, table, just sitting here. Exactly, know? exactly. And uh, if Doug is the Sprout King, Mike Posner is the Prince of Sprouting. I think he's the heir apparent. He is. He's a very enthusiastic they are sprouter. They are very beautiful. Mm. Very beautiful people. Anyway, it's amazing. Well. Uh, in the middle of the table, we have this beautiful cheese board. Do you wanna do like a, a cheese board presentation for every podcast that we do? So we just have this for every episode. Just for everyone. <laughs> well, it is really cool. Adorn the table with But you know what? It's, uh, Shrimu is such an amazing food offering. Um, I just came from visiting my friends uh, Gabby and Rodrigo up in Marin County, and they have recently invested in Shrimu and they have welcomed me into their community. And I went up to their home where they hosted first a tea ceremony, which we made this incredible cheese board and it just goes along beautifully, you know, at like 5 p.m., like sort of at that time. And then the following night, they had a party of some just very amazing. I would say conscious entrepreneurs that are changing the face of humanity. And we served, you know, cheese boards and it was just the perfect food. It was like enough sustenance 
delicious flavor paired with kombucha or organic wine and many different eating types, you know, plant-based, keto, paleo, gluten-free, dairy-free. There was a, a woman there who was just thanking me, literally told me Shrimu changed her life because she's not been able to eat dairy for, you know, 10 years or something. So, you know, these cheese boards just keep on delivering and we have Easter coming up, Passover, springtime, and Shrimu is just such an amazing offering to bring to any gathering, any dinner party. And, you know, here I did this board, you know, very sort of a little bit more sparse, but again, just using your creativity and getting a bouquet of flowers and fresh berries and your favorite chocolates and making sure you have gluten-free crackers and then maybe another option. It's just really an amazing product. I am proud to have been the channel that the breath breathed through mm -hmm. in order to bring her onto planet mm -hmm. earth. And I'm just telling you guys, it's kind of funny because, you know, I'll eat my own cheese and find myself telling myself how good it is. <laughs> like even still, you know, after all this time. So yeah. It's cool. Uh Gabby and Rodrigo have a company called House of Now. What time is so, it, Rich? So I'm wearing it. So they make these watches that look like fancy, you know, they're like fancy watches, but it just says now on it. There's no watch hands or anything like <laughs> that. Right. Like, it's like, what time is it? It's now, it's now. Like, you know, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a really cool yeah. brand. We're doing some collaborations with them and, you know, it's just a really fashionable way. It comes in a million colors. It comes in like gold, pink gold, mm. white gold, black, silver. It's really, really yeah, beautiful, groovy. beautifully packaged and, and really cool movement and message behind the, music, the movement. I've been thinking about your startup journey lately in the context of what's gone down with Miyoko's. Can we mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit? Sure. So, you know, you're in the middle of like trying to complete an angel round of financing and this is a, process that uh, you have been walking through quite gracefully. And what I mean by that is there have been opportunities over the course of the last, I don't know, two years or whatever, to sit down with and entertain investment from large venture capital entities or like big money people who place big bets on companies. And we're in a culture in which, you know, fueled by kind of Silicon Valley hysteria, where we celebrate startup founders who raise gigantic amounts of cash, right? It's like, oh my God, you know, and the common story, you know, fast forwarding years down the line is that often, you know, these big bets and large investments end up, you know, sort of to the dismay of the founder, like creating something beyond what they intended, right? They end up getting pushed out. This happened to Doug Evans. It's kind of a typical story, right? Like a uh, founder has a great idea, grows a company to a certain place, takes on a ton of money. A board of directors is compiled. These people, you know, need a return on their investment. They're on a timetable. They want an exit. Decisions are made that often are contrary to the kind of ethical underpinnings of the company's origin. And that's the nature of commerce and capitalism. And so it goes. And so this is a situation that you had quite a bit of conscious awareness around and had the capacity to say no to certain people who were interested in placing just such a big bet with you. And instead deciding upon the, you know, perhaps, 
more difficult or longer path of only taking investment from people that really resonated with you as like, you know, basically like people that are like on your wavelength that share this vision and being really conscious and careful about that, which means that this has taken a little bit longer, but also has been, and I think I'm speaking for you and saying that has been much more gratifying. Like even though there's a long way to go, like you feel really good about the place that you're in right now. And I think that when you look at Miyoko and for people who don't know Miyoko who created and grew Miyoko's creamery plant-based cheese and and plant-based dairy products to a certain place. It's like, it's a ubiquitous brand right now. It's everywhere you go, you see it. Like she's done an incredible job and really pioneered the whole sector that you're in. Like she's just the queen, right? But recently has made headlines because she has been kind of forced out of her own company and, uh, and it's a big mess right now. Yeah. Yeah. So just, how do you reflect on that? Like a like an incredible founder, mm-hmm. woman of color who built like this amazing yeah. business, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it is the uh the condition of planet Earth and what we have incarnated into. And every single woman listening to me right now has their own stories of being marginalized, passed over, uh you know, even abused, even preyed upon, even, you know, so we can go down the whole rabbit hole with that. I mean, that's just the condition of this planet and it's by design. When the feminine consciousness was ripped out of the spiritual lineage of the planet thousands of years ago. But with regards to Miyoko, she is the, I would say pioneer, the the founder of plant-based cheeses. She has been in it for many, many, many years. I am not a personal friend of hers. I have met her a couple times and I am a fan of hers, a support of hers for what she did. The fact that I was able to sell my book, This Cheese is Nuts, had everything to do with the fact that she had published a book before me. So um, I have, you know, utmost respect for her and for all the women leaders, all the mom gods that are on the planet that know how to lead, innovate and curate and nurture and nourish and grow amazing expressions of life all around us, you know, stemming from the child then to whatever else women do. We all have 29 Mm -hmm. arms, we're doing it all. So, you know, within the startup culture, this is the story that I hear from many, many founders. Um, They say that, their advice to me is take as little money as you need. And I know currently, you know, a handful of them that are going through similar experiences as Miyoko. So it's like, you know, they get a big investor, they get a big investment, and then suddenly they're starting to lose their company. They're being questioned in the integrity and their choices and everything they're doing. So, I mean, I would say, you know, again, I'm an artist. I am a devotional artist, I think of life and whatever medium that I'm working in, this entire expression of plant-based cheese came out of an organic, very authentic life experience of us going through our process together and you becoming vegan and me wanting to nourish you and feed you. And so for me, it's not a business idea, it's a natural evolution of life experience. And because I'm so seeped in devotion, when I create that these foods, these Shrimu wheels, these flavors are infused with spiritual consciousness. It's a frequency that is my prayer that when whoever ingests it, they remember who they are. They get a little further access into feeling connected. 
And so for a while there, I was being um, sort of courted by some very big companies that had taken other plant-based brands into these gigantic valuations. And I was trying to understand it because I was like, oh, there's a formula, let me learn this. And then after I took all these meetings, which were like 60 meetings with almost all men, I saw four women, no front facing women, quite frankly. Like it was shocking to me that the venture world is so void of women. I mean, no, I, in the end, I did meet a, a, couple, a couple a couple women in the end that I really, really liked. But, and I love men too. Like this isn't that commentary, but it's just the way that it is. So um, I did finally get a message. I heard a message. Now I didn't hear the voice like from God, like Julie. I like felt the message. Like I was walking through our living room and something told me kinesthetically in my body, it said, why are you not applying the same amount of spirituality, artistry, and originality to the financial raise of Shrimu as you did to the formulation and branding of the product? And it stopped me mid stride. And I looked up at the sky at whatever was communicating to me. And I said, good question. Why am I not? Because I didn't think I could, because I had compartmentalized that side and told myself, well, you don't know business and you don't understand raises. And so you can't do that. So what I did is I said no to one of those offers. And then I went to the crystal warehouse, you'll be happy to hear. <laughs> and I bought uh, 13 <laughs> specimens of beautiful crystals. And I started lighting fire ceremonies, which is something I do. I'm a fire priestess. And I decided to call in my cosmic family based on a 13 million valuation, which I gave myself based on all the years that I've developed hundreds of plant-based recipes. The fact that I developed a, an actual product that I was shipping to you know, multiple subscribers and, and that I had proven this model with you know, uh, positive margins already and many successes that would validate me to create that level of valuation. There were other companies that had $25 million valuations that had not shipped one box of product or they were still in a development with different fake meat things, you know, things like that. But I had actually been in the field. In business. No, actually in making food, you know, creating food for years. So what I did, which is really annoying to like old paradigm business people <laughs> is so I made it 13 million, my valuation, cause I'm a spiritual being and uh, having a human experience and 13 is my sacred number. And it means unity. So it, this intention of the ceremonial circle was to bring the investors, the cosmic family, the humanitarians into unity around this mission. And my approach was, I'm raising 3.3 because I kind of figured out like that's a good amount, but not too much. Uh, but now I'm even um, starting to reevaluate. I don't think I am gonna raise that 3.3. I think I'm gonna knock it down. So right now I'm in a process of reassessing really how much I need um, and I'm not gonna take more than that. So uh, what I told my cosmic family that came into my field was that I'm not promising you a 30% ROI. But what I'm promising you is a life experience that will be a magic carpet ride that you have never imagined and that we will truly affect humanity and the planet for good, for a higher vibration and that we're gonna have a blast in the process and that I mean it and that I'm dedicated to this with every 
outsell DNA strand of my being. So I am here for this completely. And so what this did is it brought this beautiful collection of human beings who are all amazing. I don't hold back, you know, the alien thing that I just said in the first part of the podcast, they've all heard it and Uh way more. Um, (laughs) I'm just completely transparent with who I am. I am not posturing or holding anything back. I talked to them about the major mission of Srimu, which is to fund the next evolution of the temples in Dominher, Italy, my beloved cosmic family there. I'm an initiate of that community. They built temples to mankind in secret inside a mountain that are the true, true treasures, true devotional activators of life on this planet. And they have plans for an $88 million complex called the Parliament of the Peoples, which will house the indigenous DNA of planet Earth. That is why I am in the Shrimu experience. Of course, it will touch millions of people along the way. And at the core of Shrimu is community. So I am interested in the touch, human to human touch. And that is why I'm relocating my production facility to Memphis, Tennessee. I'm leaving tomorrow night Mm -hmm. and we're having our first big team meeting. Uh, The space is almost ready for the production side, but we are moving into Memphis, Tennessee to Crosstown Concourse, which is a vertical community of the arts, of music, of healing, of community in all ways. And it is deeply, deeply meaningful to us. So we are looking for brand collaborations. We are looking for meaningful partnerships, meaningful co-creation. It is all about the creative process. Shrimu is a beauty brand. The plant-based artisanal cheese collection is only the first product through this lifestyle. There will be you know, Ayurvedic products, Abiyanga oils, uh, many, many more food products. I'm working on a hair product right now. My friend, Brian, who did the branding, who mm-hmm. is doing the cafe design. We both have some pretty good both hair. Have epic hair. We like, have you, epic you, hair. You and Brian together should be, <laughs> you know, like making billboards for, you know, hair products. So we're nothing gonna, else. So we're gonna do a hair product and we're gonna <laughs> shoot that, which is really great. And, you know, this is all about community. It's all about connecting and, you know, like this board, it's about the celebration of diversity and it is all are needed, all are needed. Mm -hmm. And it's a super, super expansive time right now. Yeah. Well, the Crosstown Concourse thing sounds really cool. I still haven't visited it yet, but from what I gather and what you've told me, it's, and I've seen lots of pictures of it. I mean, it's hard to wrap your head around the scale of this place. Like you originally told me it was an old Sears Roebuck building so in my mind, I'm thinking department store size, but in truth, I think it was like a factory. It's the distribution for, facility. Okay, so or, it was like this, yeah. yeah, like it's this massive, massive complex. It's like a train station. That, yeah, that, that was at one time, the center of you know, a certain you know, sub-economy in Memphis for Sears and Roebuck, then went fallow and fell into disrepair. It didn't go, I mean, I would say- At some point. I'd say they just, yeah, I guess I would say they lived their lives. They all lived these lives and then died and then it didn't come. Right, and so there was a period of time though where it just was sitting there. Yes, true. And it's been rejuvenated through investment and now turned into this, yeah, turned into this incredibly dynamic 
I mean, it's not a mall. It's a, it's like a center. It's like its own city. It it's has a vertical like a community. Theater, yeah, vertical, yeah, vertical community. There mm-hmm. you go, right? With like everything you could imagine yeah. in it. It's like, including like recording studios and Airbnbs and, is there a school yeah, in there? There's a New Thought High School on the second floor. There's a YMCA, church health teaching kitchens, artist in residency, gigantic photo labs. Like a listening library for vinyl. Right? Yeah, incredible like, listening library, um, performance theater, like for a thousand seats. It's got, uh, you know, restaurants, Global Cafe, and that is Sabine's, um, which is refugee run. And then, uh, Farm burger, they make a great burger, like not a fake veggie burger, an actual veggie burger there, which is amazing. And we have this amazing red spiral staircase that comes from the MoMA level museum gallery that they have, and it spills out right at my space. And so um, we're just, we're building this amazing art installation where the cheese is blessed and wrapped, but it's gonna have like all these, you know, sound and visuals. But and it's with glass, there. right? So people can watch. Exactly. It being so you prepared. can see the production. And there's going to be like a storefront retail wine and cheese cafe experience. Yeah. yeah. Cafe, exactly. With ready made cheese boards, grab and go, or you can come and sit in the cafe and have wine or kombucha mm. and enjoy a Shrimu cheese board, which is really, really exciting. What is the timeline on that being up and running? Like you've begun the move, but it's gonna yeah. be a minute, right? So we're gonna ship our first month in Memphis in May. We're gonna be shipping our Easter shipment and then we'll, we're moving after that. So just so you guys know, if you order um, by March 12th, then we'll ship on the 14th of March. And if you order by the 2nd of April, we'll ship you on the 4th of April. So you'll get your shipment for Easter or Passover. Um, we're gonna give you guys, can I give them a code now? Sure. Um, RRP20, and we're gonna give free shipping on any order over $127. You can get all different kinds of boxes, eternal, awakened, devoted, ritual, or you can even get a good, a big commune box that has 12 wheels, reminding everyone these wheels freeze perfectly. So you can freeze them and thaw them within probably 40 minutes. And they're absolutely perfect. There's no change in the texture or the quality or anything about it. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was we are looking for some amazing family members to join us in the facility. We're gonna be interviewing this week when we go there, but uh, we're looking for high level management, kitchen management, also cafe management. So if anybody's listening, uh, you can email us at dolife at shrimu.com and someone will get back to you on that. But um, yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, it's very cool. excited. Proud of you. Very excited. Yeah. I wish you could come this week. There's so many amazing people coming and we're filming everything. And so I wanted to give a shout out to Bobby Bailey, uh, who's a dear friend, he and his wife, Erin, and he's gonna be a director on a film project that I'm working on. And um, yeah. Super exciting. It's gonna be super fun. Yeah. Shifting gears a little bit. We had uh, Scott Berman over here just for a visit yesterday. Who's the guy who created the Sky Cave 
retreat center, the oh, darkness right. retreat. That's right. Place. We were talking about that this morning. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking like I'm considering like should I go into the dark? Like Colin O'Brady did it recently. He's sending me videos and he's like, you gotta do it. Colin and, loved it. You know, so I've been thinking about it. And Scott was lovely. Like he's clearly like the right person to be doing this kind of work. Like it was super interesting talking to him. So I came home and I was like, yeah, I'm at the darkness retreat guy. And you're like, you already walk around in your own self-created darkness retreat. <laughs> Cause I was having like, no, I said. like I've been at, like the last two days, I just haven't felt great. And I've been kind of off my game. You've been to in say a dark the least. cave. Yeah, you're like, you're in a darkness retreat now. Did you tell, no, I was teasing you. I just said, did you tell him that you have your own dark cave that you carry around with you from time to time? <laughs> no, we were talking about it. I mean, it's cool. It could be really, really cool. Um, you yeah, know, I'm not going in anytime soon. I'm having too much fun out here, so. I don't know. Probably gonna do it. A lot of people like it. You know, I did run yeah. into Colin actually uh, at a oh, very. That's right. You ran into him. Yeah. R- almost randomly. I think like right after he came out of the cave. I did. Yeah, that's right. We were. It was so funny. Um, Gabriella and uh, Rodrigo invited me skiing, and so I I hopped over to Jackson Hole and met them, and they took me to this party of some friends of theirs, Mariana and Yaniv, and. Uh, they were like, Shri, you know, there a lot of people are a lot younger than we are, you know, so, you know, we'll just roll in. And then, I mean, I'm older than they are, but they're like, you know, we'll roll in and roll out. So we go in and I just find a comfy place like on some, you know, fur throw on the, on the fireplace hearth and I'm sitting in Lotus. And, you know, Rodrigo said, he's like, oh, look at Shri's over there. We're gonna have to leave in like, you know, a few minutes, like not stay too long, whatever. And then the DJs were really amazing. And then all of a sudden I got up and I started dancing, cut to like three hours later, I'm just in the middle of the dance floor, just, and they were laughing so hard. So they, we were getting ready to leave finally after this three hour dance thing. And I went over to get my, my phone and it was on the hearth. And this guy with these ridiculous round kind of plastic glasses and, and like some funky sweatshirt was like standing right there. And then he says to me, what's your name? <laughs> or no, he says, nice hat. Right. And then it turned out it was Colin and we were just cracking up because we ran into each other. So then we, we had a nice share, but. Did he anyway. reflect back to you anything? Yeah, about he was like, darkness? it was insane. It was crazy. I'd got to get rich in there. It was really incredible. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So it was sweet. Well, um, I'm ready to round this out, but I think it would be good if you could, you know, share a practice or, uh, you know, something to reflect upon as we culminate this experience. Um, I mean, the one thing that has been sort of up for me and that, you know, I have people reach out to me a lot about death and I've had a lot of people telling me like that they heard an episode on death that I did, I don't even know where, but they said that it, you know, really, really helped them or really shifted their experience. And I just wanna remind people that thoughts are things and that we are eternal life forms. And the best way that we can serve our fellow humanity, our animals and our loved ones who choose their sacred exit during these times, or even if they have already chosen their sacred exit and you felt like you couldn't be there for them or you didn't know 
what to do or it was all so mechanical that you couldn't really participate. I just want to remind you that time does not exist beyond this dimension. And so where your loved ones are, you can still do a ceremony. You can still offer them a prayer, a song, a sentiment. And remember that it's like they're getting ready, they're in a bird suit and they're getting ready to jump off a mountain and they're afraid of heights. And so your grief, your sadness, and your inability to let them go is like lead weights around them. And so, yes, there is a time to grieve. There is a time to cry. There is a time to go through those processes. But remember, the greatest thing you can do is to imagine that there is a iridescent blue cord and imagine them in whatever form you see them in and start at below their feet and start to imagine that you weave this cocoon Start weaving this blue cocoon all around them and take your time and breathe and tell them, thank you, I love you, I trust you, I believe in you, and I know we will see each other again. And go ahead and do it all the way over your loved ones. And remember that blue light is the calming light. And Remember that if you are excessively grieving or unable to accept what is or have not really explored death and you are really fearing your own death, which is what's making you sort of stuck in a way or so upset, just remember that you can send them these prayers in this way and you can do it repeatedly. You can do it whenever you're missing them. And then I would offer that there is an opportunity for communication that is beyond anything that we ever imagined. And so in your mind, develop a sign with that being that has left, whether it's a butterfly or whether it's a golden coin, whatever it is, and say that in your inner intention and ask for the communication and then wait and see how they communicate to you and how you see that sign or that sign appears when they are near. Many, many people have this experience, but I'm just reminding many of us have had to say goodbye to people. And it is a very tender, very raw time for many of us. And so I just wanna invite people to maybe close their eyes for a second, if that feels okay with you, not if you're driving. And let's just collect our breath together. Let's start to sink our breath up. And so bring your awareness to your breath and take some deep inhales, long, deep, fluid inhales, pausing at the top of that inhale for just a moment. And then let's take another collective exhale together and just releasing that down and allow it to completely empty out. Maybe draw your belly slightly to your spine and just take that pause again. And then let's take another breath together as we inhale through the nose, long, deep, fluid, free breath. 
And as you get to the top, let's stop for just a moment, fall into that gap. And then let's exhale together collectively, exhaling all the breath out, let it be free. And at the bottom, maybe you pull your belly gently into your spine, emptying out. And let's pause again. And again, let's take another breath through the nose, a long, deep, fluid inhale, just drawing the breath up, pausing at the top, and then exhale, letting the breath release down. And as you continue to breathe like that, I'm just going to open the field in sacred service to the law of one. And as we ignite as a community, as a humanity, across all timelines, all realities, all dimensions, and the void, we ask, command, and intend for the highest exchange according to the future wills of our God selves embodied. Beloved teams from the multiverse, please comfort our humanity who are suffering now. Please ignite your grace, your nourishment, your guidance, your companionship around them. Where there is suffering, let our humanity feel our presence, that united we are mighty, we are sovereign, and we are omniscient. So beloveds, Feel this in your heart space, the place where you first heal. This is the first feel, the portal, the inkling into the heart. And return there after this podcast to this inner chamber of the heart intelligence. And let's find each other waiting there. We're not going without you. Remember who you are. And so it is. Beautiful. Thank you. That's all I got. Well, I'm sure there's another podcast in our future. <laughs> you can save it until then. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thank you. Love you. Love you, babe. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links and resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at richroll.com where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as podcast merch, my books, Finding Ultra, Voicing Change in the Plant Power Way, as well as the Plant Power Meal Planner at meals.richroll.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on YouTube and leave a review and or comment. Supporting the sponsors who support the show is also important and appreciated. And sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends or on social media is of course, awesome and very helpful. And finally, for podcast updates, special offers on books, the meal planner and other subjects, please subscribe to our newsletter, which you can find on the footer of any page at richroll.com. 
Today's show was produced and engineered by Jason Camiolo with additional audio engineering by Kale Curtis. The video edition of the podcast was created by Blake Curtis with assistance by our creative director, Dan Drake. Portraits by Davey Greenberg, graphic and social media assets courtesy of Daniel Solis, Dan Drake, and AJ Akpodiete. Thank you, Georgia Whaley for copywriting and website management. And of course, our theme music was created by Tyler Pyatt, Trapper Pyatt, and Harry Mathis. Appreciate the love, love the support. See you back here soon. Peace, plants. Namaste.